welcome to Weaver Beyond the Numbers, where Weaver professionals talk about business and accounting. We'll explore a wide variety of topics from tax law and accounting standard changes to managing cyber, fraud, financial, and operational risks. What do these issues mean to your business? Join us as we go beyond the numbers to find out. Is IT compliance something you only think about when you're out of compliance? Weaver's IT Advisory Services hopes that's not the case. Hi, I'm Shelby Skirhawk, your host for Weaver Beyond the Numbers. Today I'm sitting down with Brett Neighbors. He's partner in Weaver's IT Advisory Services. And today we're going to talk about the role that IT compliance plays and why that needs to be an important discussion topic around your company. Today we've got Brett Neighbors. He's partner in Weaver's IT Advisory Services. Nice to meet you and nice to have you on the show. Nice to meet you, Shelby. Great to be here. So let's talk a little bit about what's happened recently that is making IT compliance uh, such an important discussion topic. Obviously, we see an increased focus on cybersecurity, and that's finding its way in financial statements today. And that's actually what's really driving the need to improve IT compliance. But IT compliance is more than just IT security, and vice versa. Security is more than just compliance. So IT security will be a driving factor in why we see a maturity or a need to mature an IT compliance program, but it's not the whole story. So, Brett, I mean, how is this really changing the view of compliance programs as, as, a, as a whole? Well, first off, executives now, whether they're IT executives or financial or part of just the business, are no longer able to be blind to what's going on within their security and IT programs. And so number one is that there's a need to raise that focus level because, right, there's this see no evil, hear no evil, say no evil mentality doesn't exist. There's a fiduciary responsibility by all executives and board members in being aware of what's going on with their organization from a security and IT perspective and being able to respond to those. And so one of those is really having that bridge between the two organizations. So one, you have an IT compliance program that can talk the talk when it comes to the ones and zeros that, say, a technical IT professional would need versus someone who's going, but what does that mean? Am I exposed? Did I expose some information? Am I meeting the expectations of my third-party providers? So it's really a matter of really using an IT compliance program to really raise up that level of of really focus on on understanding the risk within IT and, and then being able to speak and meet their fiduciary responsibilities. So how does upgrading an IT compliance program, uh, how does that help an organization specifically? Well, one is good compliance doesn't necessarily mean that you have good security. So I want to kind of start with that of, you know, the upgrading the IT compliance program doesn't mean that all of a sudden, you know, you are, you've mitigated or addressed all the risks within the IT organization. It's much more about being aware of what those risks are and being able to respond to those. I mean, at this point in time, we have to accept a little bit as it relates to the external factors. You know, there's that hacker out there that they don't care who you are or what you are or what you want or what you have. They just want to get the information out of it for their own their own profit. But what can we do? What can we do around monitoring and being aware of those risks and raising our IT compliance program to get there? That's from the security side. The same thing comes with 
you know, we're selling a product. Let's say I'm an outsourced service provider, or let's say that I am doing, I perform IT operations for an organization. And so there's an expectation that you are now a part of my organization. And so I need to have IT compliance programs to just say, am I doing all of the operational things that I need? Am I considering things around operational needs of like backups and recovery and business continuity? And from that aspect that I'm going to continue to operate even in times of, of tough situations, whether that is both from a security standpoint or physical standpoint. I mean, we live here in Texas, so we've got Harvey, we had a massive hurricane, you know, it, it, although the hurricane didn't necessarily hit Houston, it obviously dropped a lot of water on Houston, but at the same time, that impacted buildings, that impacted data centers, that impacted the ability to go through and service, you know, perform services. And part of that, I think, is where we get into the sense of, well, I have to have an IT compliance program that's also kind of thinking about the other risk and actually reacting to those and being able to address that. It's an important to build a, a maturity model around your IT compliance program that meets your needs as an organization. So not all IT compliance programs are going to be the same. In organizations that are public companies, obviously you want to comply with Sarbanes-Oxley and the requirements there from a control standpoint. I also think that, you know, if you are a service provider, you need to comply with third-party reporting requirements. And now that we have trust service criteria that we're required to meet, um, you know, we have to meet those security needs or confidentiality needs or privacy needs, and we actually have to address those controls. Um, there's also regulatory reasons why you would build or how you would mature your compliance program. If you're a public entity, public sector entity, you know, you have to comply with here in Texas TAC 202 or you need to comply with NIST standards or other regulation standards. If you're in the banking industry, you have FDISHA, FFIEC. So having an individual within the IT compliance program that can help build that maturity in the direction in which it's required. You know, you don't necessarily need to go put payment card industry regulations on an organization that has nothing to do with receiving any type of payment information. Same thing, a healthcare organization is going to have a lot of information that they're going to have to, or a lot of requirements from a control perspective that they're going to have to address, but that's not going to be the same as an organization that's selling widgets. And so really building an IT compliance program that, that meets the needs of the environment in which they operate. I think from a standard perspective, everyone needs to have good controls around security and protecting whatever assets they have, whether that's payment card assets, healthcare assets, whether that's just trade secrets, you know, Bush's beans, they've got their, you know, family recipes locked, you know, guarded by a dog, <laughs> locked in a safe, right? So I think from, from there, you know, whatever that asset is that's important to you, that matters to you is what you need to protect. And building a compliance program that actually gives the awareness to executives. You know, I think that so many times you may have an organization. You have a CIO that sits in that organization and a CISO maybe even there or a chief information security officer. And they have such a wide breadth of responsibility. If you were to ask them, you know, hey, how do you feel today about your environment? And they, do they have a good perspective? Well, great. All my organizational um, people that are aligned underneath me say that we're doing a good job. They communicate that they've met their SLAs or service level agreements. They've met their requirements. They're executing their controls. But who actually is kind of doing that gut check to tell you real time or as close to real time how it's going? We can rely on external auditors. When an external auditor and internal audit comes, they're going to come with a scope. They're going to come with an objective. They're going to probably likely sample across your controls and across the instances in which those controls execute and tell you, hey, are you doing good or are you doing bad? But that doesn't necessarily give you a perspective how you did every day. And so I think building a compliance program with, with a maturity model will help you start to address 
hey, are we doing good or are we doing bad? It's not necessarily calling yourself out of saying, hey, I've got a control deficiency or I've got some big exception I gotta share to the street. It's more saying, hey, I've got some things that we need to work on and it helps prioritize those, those items by having someone be that gut checker, that second line of defense that sits within the IT organization versus it being an external party because they can actually react a lot faster because they know who's on point to do certain activities. They know what the risk really is, what the exposure really is. They have all that information readily at hand and they're part of that conversation. Yeah. yeah. Is that often the danger then that, um, you know, C- C-suite people, you know, the, the executives, they have maybe only a basic understanding of what IT compliance should be. Uh, maybe they think, okay, well, it's either PCI compliance or HIPAA if you're in the healthcare spot. But other than that, there's really nothing. Like, is that a common, I guess, misconception by the executive level that there is a lot more that goes into IT compliance? Correct. I mean, the very first thing that they're hoping is that, hey, have we been compromised in some way, shape, or form? Or how am I protecting myself against compromises? Or am I meeting, right, am I going to lose clients because I'm a service provider to them and all of a sudden I'm not actually performing those activities for them at the level that I should be? If I, I'm not meeting my contractual obligations. But I think on top of that is that there's the compliance piece of just making sure that you have that day-to-day operations. I think the tentacles in which it can kind of spread into is is very far and wide. I mean, an IT compliance program can look at the organizational level. Of, do we have redundancy built into certain positions? Are we Do we have people really focusing on an activity and sharing what they do on that activity? Do we have standard operating procedures? You know, I look at it as the positive side. If someone was to win some, you know, astronomical amount of money and say, you know what, I'm not going to show up to work tomorrow because I'm good. Well, within that, at the same time, you go, okay, well, then who is going to do that? Do we have the things in place to allow us to continue to operate and, and meet our fiduciary and regulatory responsibilities on securing our environment and performing operations within our IT environment so that the IT compliance team can can work in that space is one of the areas that they can work in. So then, I mean, what are some of the other perspectives that go into upgrading your IT compliance? Well, another is the reliance on third parties to perform IT functions. Um, that's obviously increased, and that also includes their responsibility to secure and process client data. Any failure to meet specific control criteria or regulatory criteria may expose organizations to risk. It may impact really the organization's vitality long term. Uh, further monitoring and key control oversight and, and oversight of processes will help eliminate or even limit some of those er- errors. And that'll also help raise client satisfaction, but also keep you out of the news, uh, avoid causing a newsworthy event. So there's also a, really a direct correlation between revenue and IT processes in these situations because really a third-party processor their business is doing specifically that. You know, they if they're not doing if they're not processing the data or performing the functions that they're supposed to, then there's no longer that client and a revenue driving that. And so you're really looking at now you have organization specifically correlated between revenue and IT versus IT just being that they're on floor two. Right, and I don't necessarily see them every day. They just make sure my computer works from right. some perspectives, right? So let's go wide then and talk about some of the responsibilities that someone would have in that IT compliance role. We've talked a little bit about those, but, I mean, what, are, what, what other kinds of things are we talking about here? Well, I think to start, monitoring of IT general controls is obviously a key aspect of it. But providing oversight of 
other daily activities meant to meet whether it's basic security or operational needs for the organization may have a effective impact or an efficient Im- impact onto the organization. Um, they may include monitoring, uh, one, Sarbanes-Oxley or SOX controls, and that's part of that IT general control suite. Uh, system and organizational controls, so SOC reporting, so we now have SOC 1 from a financial perspective, SOC 2, trust service criteria. Both of those actually have a set of criteria and controls that you would expect to include IT, and so it's monitoring those. And so that can also help the organization limit any impact um, to those reports, whether, you know, trying to avoid a qualified opinion. Um, Another is really having that oversight for, for human or system errors. So, you know, the hope is that as you mature your IT space, you're using more technology and software and that you're allowing the system to do a lot of the monitoring for you, but there's still a layer of human controls. At this point in time, if a new person joins the organization, you still have to fill out a form on what systems they need access to. You still have to review that access on a regular basis. There's a human involved in that. And so the IT compliance program can make sure, are we meeting the schedule? Are we staying on schedule as as it relates to how the control operates? Did they do everything they were supposed to? Did they understand their objectives and the purpose of what they were doing as part of a review or part of performing a control. So it's also putting that aspect there of catching those human errors that might occur versus it just being, oh, well, did you check the box and do what you were supposed to? Another piece around IT compliance is really being part of that learning and education component of the organization of being there to help drive what is the responsibility of every individual as it relates to, you know, protecting the asset that they have, whether it's the use of the computer, what they have access to, how they operate. Um, so it's, some of that is just training, whether it's from a business side or even training from an IT side. So I may actually have to be there and say, are the right trainings occurring for our IT folks? And it's providing that kind of unbiased perspective because I think when you're in an organization, it's like, well, you know, Johnny over there's already done training on Oracle databases. Great, but he only did level training one. He needs to do tra- like trying to still drive that improvement into the organization because all that then drives back to your efficiency and effectiveness. And so I think that that's one of the other roles that IT compliance can face. I think the final piece is an IT compliance role also has the opportunity to be the liaison between business and IT. And so many times that role really is set more for the people who are in those executive VP positions in the IT space. And they come at it from a very specific approach. Like if I'm responsible for a specific subset of the IT environment, whether it is change management and developing projects, or it's security, or it's other operational needs, backups, recovery, that type of, those type of functions, they're going to come and say, well, this is what I'm doing around those areas. It's another person that can be that liaison. Um, And I think that that's important is having someone that can speak both the business and the IT speak. You know, so many times it's like, well, you keep telling me, you show me these great charts that have all of this red and blue and green and it looks wonderful obviously you're doing something but what is it what am i how am i reading these charts what should what what should i gain or 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 pull from these charts that that i care about today you know especially if i'm sitting around a board table of you know i need to know i need to know what i don't know so that i can be prepared to respond so let's talk about processes then um, how does an it compliance role really assess these changes 
So Shelby, that's a great question. In the IT compliance role, they can also play a key component of the system development and lifecycle process. And so there's, I'm an auditor. Um, I also play a consultant. And when I put my auditor hat on, it definitely is very myopic in the sense I'm looking for things such as, did you define requirements, did you define testing, did you get the approvals to promote this application to production? But the reality is that when you're developing a life, a product, there's obviously going to be iterations of changing requirements, and there's going to be needs to consider things such as security and, and what role someone's going to be provided or how an automated process is going to work and does it transact correctly or the output of the reports. The IT compliance role can actually play a big part in that, is ask those challenging questions up front so that you're not asking them already when something's been implemented. And so to me, the IT compliance can start to also extend within the development process. And because not all the time can that security person sit in that room, the, the individual responsible for security, and ask all the right questions. Because they're also saying, well, I'm monitoring everything from the network all the way down to, you know, the systems and the databases, operating systems, the applications themselves, but I don't necessarily know the context in which someone's using it. You say that someone needs to have the ability to approve a journal entry. I granted the ability for someone to have a journal entry. Who's actually going through the process of evaluating? Is that the right access that needs to be there? Have I considered all the security components? That's where that person with having that kind of both look from a business standpoint as well as an IT standpoint can start to bridge that gap and say, well, let me challenge that. Is this truly, have we put the right security controls in? Are we putting the right monitoring controls in? Are we, are we evaluating the right set of reports? And, you know, are those the things that, that are going to be important, both driving it from a, an auditor perspective of, of I need to comply with financial controls, but also am I getting the right reports to the right people they're they're speaking their requirements of hey, I need X Y and Z and IT's going well hey, there's X Y Z on the table and they're like yes but it's not sorted the right way or it's not visually appealing to me that I can actually make a decision I can give you a lot of data but how that data is being driven I think IT compliance can sit at that table and ask some of those questions it doesn't mean that they necessarily are making the change themselves but I think it's another party to the to the conversation that can maybe challenge it from a different from a different landscape, a different perspective. So you talked a little bit about policies already, but I mean, do you then assess whether these policies and procedures are, are being followed? I mean, yes. I mean, that is actually another potential role for IT compliance. You know, a mature compliance program can, can provide feedback on published policies. They can also provide forms or checklists or, you know, let's say, standard operating procedures at a lower level of here's how we're going to operate because we see an inconsistency. You know, we may say that everyone needs to follow steps one, two, and three, but really there should be a 2A or a 2B to help avoid someone going a little bit out of bounds or providing maybe a level of detail or documentation that doesn't necessarily meet the full requirement, you know. And so they can actually go through the policies and start to maybe define that. Usually a review of those policies is going to be a reaction of something that they've observed. You know, I've gone through and seen, okay, well, we have, we're using an agile process for development. And so we've got these iterations that are occurring over and over again, but there's certain milestones that we need to at least document or, or put into some type of form that someone could at least evidence what was happening as part of that iteration. Well, the steps are probably one, two, three. This is how we're going to do our iterations, but we may need to add, hey, in step two, let's go ahead and add at least some type of, 
snapshot of what is the requirement or what activity was performed. And so that's where reviewing those policies and going through really the procedural documents, IT compliance can add that value and saying, here's how we're going to actually communicate how a control operates. Here's the specific point in which we can demonstrate that we did a certain activity or procedure. So, I mean, you can find efficiencies, essentially. Exactly. As well as I can also train. I can use it to train people on how the process and procedure works. The more policies, procedures, SOPs, the more you have to say, well, are people actually reading these and following these? And maybe, yes, you're a new hire, you just got, you just joined an organization, you probably have read through them, you're probably going step by step, but that starts to slip. Well, as part of reviewing the policy and procedures, you can also use that as part of a training ground, being part of that learning and education program of, hey, how am I going out and reiterating, here's the importance, or a reminder of here's the importance. And that's where you, I think you have to be lockstep with things like the CISO or any type of security officer, or security um, lead role. You know, they have a responsibility of sharing, putting posters on the wall that say, hey, everybody, remember, don't click on, you know, phishing emails or emails that seem strange. Well. IT compliance can also help with communications like that. They can be in lockstep with individuals that have specific responsibilities, whether it's over the development of products, whether it's over security, they can actually be involved with that conversation, help with that communication. They can be another voice that says, nope, this is how we're gonna do it as an organization. So Brett, I mean, what else? What um, are there other areas that really benefit from IT compliance? I mean, I could probably go on for quite a <laughs> while. I mean, the list is in somewhat sense endless, but I think some of the other areas that I found IT compliance can play a role is everything from evaluating the non-key environments. So much, so many times we see organizations who really think about, well, is this in scope or is this out of scope? Mm -hmm. When I think about it as an IT professional, it's all in scope. All of it is connected in some way, shape, form to my environment. I need to treat it all with a level of scrutiny and responsibility. And so a lot of times IT compliance can actually start to extend an evaluation of those controls that we've established for the key components of our environment mm -hmm. to the rest of our environment. So we may have that random print server, we may have you know some cloud-based applications that people are storing documents. We should put the same level of scrutiny on that, but it may not necessarily come to light to others because it's not where a financial transaction is being actually generated or processed. It's not where a key report resides. It's not in my environment of what we identify as being necessarily key, but it's still a component of the environment, right? I mean, if I have a weakness over there, that may be the door of the bad guy walks in. So I need to keep my, my net needs to be spread very wide to make sure that I've looked at all of the environment or at least have a perspective on all of the environment. Um, so I think that's one of the other areas that IT compliance can play a role. The other is managing compliance schedules, um, organizing, you know, steering committee-based meetings and setting the agenda to make sure the right things are talked about. Um, so many times, especially within IT, loves to have steering committees. They like to have things around very specific objectives. But if we're doing them every month, do we remember what we we're supposed to pick up or what we're supposed to talk about? We have last week's, last month, last week's, last quarter's agenda. But are we actually going to go address what we need to today? Because those priorities may have changed or the risks may have changed. Uh, the final piece is really being that risk manager, that risk assessor, going through and doing an IT risk assessment. Obviously, they come from the external side. You know, you've got vulnerability scanning, you've got external pen tests, you've got internal audits performing risk assessments, you have 
financial people, regulatory people coming in and evaluating risk, but how are you evaluating risk internally and being that risk owner, that risk manager, and making sure people, one, are on point to understand what their risks, but also what the responsibilities are to react to those. So I probably could go on for, for quite a while of other things that IT compliance could do, but I think it's not necessarily looking at, again, right back to that myopic of like, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to comply with my SOX controls. I'm going to comply with my SOC controls. I'm going to meet the minimum objectives because that's what actually gets written in a report. It's got to be much broader than that, and it can be much broader than that. But again, it's got to be specific to the environment. You don't have to apply the exact same approach everywhere you go. All right. So what are some of those other really hard questions that IT compliance should be asking? One, it really depends on the role of the IT compliance team and how they're organized. But really, the question should relate to the sustainability of controls or activities or processes that are in place. Um, IT compliance should challenge the effectiveness, including really the cost of keeping current processes going or even implementing new tools. Um, they can also be equipped to challenge the auditors on their risk and expectations. I think having a great understanding of specifically what those risks and the expectations of control activity are can help speak to the auditors, whether it's external or internal, in really driving, you know, why is this important? You know, I may look at a certain situation and obviously maybe what I expected as an external auditor isn't there. But if the company already has an expectation and an evaluation of that risk, it changes the tone and the direction in which that control should operate. You know, if we, if we look at something and say, well, I'm an organization that does, that, that does all my transacting at, at a dollar, at 99 cents, versus an organization that does all their transacting at a, let's say, a million dollars. Every transaction we do is a million dollars. I sell some massive widget and it costs a lot of money versus something that happens every day. Well, us having a conversation around that one cent on a 99 cent transaction is a big deal versus $10,000 on a million dollar contract. And so I think we, if we put that perspective in how we operate a control on the IT side, even though it's more, more on the financial side, then you can have that conversation with an auditor and say, here's how this control operates and is executing the expectation of the reviewer. And then I set it at a stage of where I'm comfortable. I want to make sure that every database administrator and every system owner, you know, system administrator is restricted to the right people. But the people who have read-only, we actually exclude them or we only review them once because they actually have no ability to see personal information or healthcare information or the trade secret. So it's putting that perspective of why do we do what we do? So many times, right, the control may read, I review all access on a monthly basis. Well, what is all access? Let's define that. Let's put a, a, a further perspective on that. So it's asking not necessarily the hard questions, but the clarifying questions that say, well, let me clarify what it is that we're trying to get out of this control and, and then you know execute upon it accordingly. Right, right the trade secret or the Bush's beans recipe. Right. I mean, have you ever played the 20 questions game? Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it, to me, it's like that good IT compliance or that good auditor is the one that can play that game really well yeah. of, you know, whether it's that three-year-old child, but why, 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 right? I mean, same thing. Well, you say this, but what about this or why this? And so it's asking those open-end questions and, and having someone in that space. Yeah. I mean, 
I think one of the things that IT compliance can play is they play in a safe place. And, I, and what I mean by that is that you're not operating in the world that everything you say is going to be used against you, you know, from like a law perspective or regulatory perspective. You know, you're, you're able to ask a question, and even though you may not necessarily get the answer that you want to get, it allows you to, one, follow up, and then, two, react of, do we want to do something about this? You know, wouldn't it be great to say, let me tell you what your risks are, and you can choose whether you want to accept it or you you want to mitigate it or remove that risk. I think it's putting a perspective of having the more questions that they can ask. Playing that 20 questions game can allow you to really drive into, one, do we understand what we do and why we do it? But it also exposes what are the what are the even the small risks that exist. Are we, are we willing to accept it? Do we want to do something about it? And making sure people are aware of that. You know, back to that, hear no evil, see no evil, say no evil. Right. You know, if, if you're not aware of it, you can't speak to it, but we're no longer in that landscape now. Right. You know, if there's something that happens and it, and it becomes newsworthy, then you've now, it's your responsibility. You can't, you can't just turn a blind eye and say, well, oh, well, that's not my department. That's not my responsibility. No, it, it extends well beyond IT at this realm, at this, at this time. So. All right, Brett, so what does this look like from a reporting or a structure standpoint, both internally and then externally with third parties? Well, for internally, the individual responsible for IT compliance can fit in a couple of different areas. If you're in an environment with a lot of privacy and regulations, maybe legal is the right place to set because they can help guide the IT compliance team on specific requirements that need to be followed or at least met. A lot of times they're aligned with the CIO or CISO, and it really depends. If it's much more of a security-based role from an IT compliance, maybe sitting under an information security professional is is better because that's really your key risk or the key thing that you're trying to get IT compliance to assist with. But if you're looking more broadly, maybe the CIO is a better fit. Um, We talk a lot about where sometimes there's that... Uh, butting of heads that occurs between an information security officer and a CIO, you know, whereas the information security officer is going to try to drive security to the core and that we're we're not going to expose ourselves to any more risk than we want to, whereas the CIO is going, but the, the, the business needs this. They're looking at it more objectively and strategically of what are we going to do from for our organization, our company, what are we going to do to, you know, address the business needs as well as keep the lights on, make sure that IT works. And so sometimes there's that butting ahead. I think evaluating how your organization sits and how people see eye to eye is where you kind of meld that IT compliance program. I've also seen it be its own organization altogether. You know, and so it's a matter of do they have a seat at the table where they report to the CEO or directly to the board? I mean, that's really where you have to make that determination. But it's it's looking at kind of what is the requirement? What's driving your need to really mature out an IT compliance program? And then where does it fit underneath that so that it meets the objectives where it sets? If it's, you also mentioned, you know, what does that role look like from an external? And I'm thinking more of that in a role of like an external auditor. An external auditor or regulator, somebody comes in, they can be that voice for the IT organization. The intention is not to be the bottleneck, right? You don't want necessarily to put all of the funnel of requests going into one person because obviously that can make it hard for the information to come back out. But it is allowing to make sure that they can help navigate the requests that are coming in from an external perspective to make sure that the right information is being provided and that the right level of detail is provided. You know, we are in, an, in a day and age where not only do we have to execute a control, but I have to validate the completeness and accuracy of the data that's coming in. 
So then does IT compliance uh, coordinate with any other parties? IT compliance does coordinate with other parties, and that would be each of the business units that may be, you know, if you're in retail, like the external stores and, you know, the people that don't necessarily see corporate, right? They, they say, well, that's corporate, right? You know, they may have a role in kind of going out to those organizations and helping them and being a voice and a trainer and, and you know, being a liaison for those individuals. So really, I mean, they should be in not only just the IT meetings, but business meetings and really have a seat at the table where it makes sense. So, Brett, tell me, what makes a dedicated compliance team such a necessity? As mentioned earlier, there's no more opportunity for executive leaderships and boards to essentially have a blind eye to what's happening within the IT organization. Um, It's their fiduciary responsibility to be aware of all the activities that may expose risk to to the organization. And now that we're in a digital age, so much of that is reliance and the use of technology. And so having an IT compliance program that can be a voice to raise those risks, provide a perspective on the effectiveness or even the ineffectiveness of the IT processes is, is to great benefit for each of those executives and board members. You know, they want to hear, even though it may be bad news, they want to hear truly the real story of what do we need to work on. Um, you know, sometimes that may mean that we need to spend more money, but at least we know why we're spending the money and why we're putting the right people, right focus on on the risks that, that really may expose us and the vitality of our organization for the long term. With even the changing regulations as well, board members are now wanting to hear and executive leaderships are now wanting to hear more about such things as like GDPR compliance, you know, privacy related compliance, protection against IT vulnerabilities, uh, data leakage, you know, their compliance with third party reporting, um, and really, really whatever other turning topic is out there. I mean, the great thing about IT is that it's evolving, um, but is it evolving in a way that leadership is aware of what's out there? What are we not taking advantage of or, or, or what are we taking advantage of? I mean, when we look at the retail space, some of the organizations that have failed from a retail perspective is just because they haven't, they haven't modified, right? They haven't gone and said, well, maybe we have to have a bigger online presence than we do brick and mortar. You know, and so I think it's same things occurring with how transactions operate in general. Are we taking advantage of the landscape? Are we looking at blockchain? Are we looking at, you know, the risk related to privacy? Are we looking at our location, right? You know, in some sense, IT allowed us to go, okay, well, now the world is our location. But now all of a sudden regulations are kind of saying, well, the world may be your location, but now I have to have specific considerations for operating in Europe, operating in California now. You know, so I think from that standpoint, IT compliance can provide the perspective, maybe not always the answer, of at least raising the raising the subject so that people start asking the questions that you can get answers to. So then as we start to wrap up, uh, Brett, do you have any advice for how to find really the, the best IT compliance team member? As we mentioned, it's really about what is your organizational need. Um, if you're in you know, the banking or financial industry, going and hiring a healthcare individual isn't necessarily going to help you um, in the long term. They may be able to address the, the beginning and they may be able to meld themselves into that, but finding someone who has a, a perspective on the industry, the regu- regulations that, that are really required of that, as well as a perspective of what is good governance, what is good IT controls. So I think, number one, I think that's one of the skill sets that you have to look for. Um, if there's a significant role of the IT compliance person playing 
in compliance with SOX or SOC reporting, then obviously getting someone with external audit experience can be extremely valuable. One, they have an understanding of how the control might be audited, as well as what their expectation of how the control should operate. You know, I always say, well, if I can go into the, being an auditor as well as a consultant, I can go in and say, okay, well, let me put my auditor hat on. Well, what I'm looking for is this. And what, then that's what you're expecting on the other side. If I can have that conversation and be like, well, let me be the auditor for a moment and say, well, right now what you're showing me isn't going to necessarily meet the objective of this control. Now, that could be two things. One, I could change the way that we expect the control to, to operate. Or I can help, you know, educate on how things may need to be documented or how things may need to be evident so that we can meet that objective of the control. I think the other piece to this, though, is the soft skills. Um, you know, there's always kind of that, oh, they're an IT person. I think that they're trying to say, like, I'm an IT person, right? Are you just calling me weird? You're, <laughs> you're thinking I'm like the guy who wants to go, you know, I'm just knee-deep knee in Star Wars or Star Trek or Game of Thrones. Like, I'm just a nerd at heart and probably am. But I think what I mean by that is that that IT person can't just be the person who only thinks about this as, hey, this is my computer, I'm going to code, I'm going to kind of operate in a very myopic, hey, this is, I understand databases, and I am an absolute amazing database expert, and I can tell you everything around how to operate that database, but can you speak to that and turn it into terminology that someone who has no idea what even a database is and can say, okay, well, what does that mean, right? And so I think that that soft skill is the ability to have a board presence, ability to have the conversation in a way that isn't necessarily going to make eyes glaze over because they're like, well, now I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, putting, maybe there's some details and some technical details in there, but being able to have that soft skill and have the conversation with different hats on, you know, like, okay, let me think about this from a financial perspective and kind of speak in more generic terms to at least expose the risk so that we can then get the right people in to go and actually dive into the details, the technical details. So soft skills is, to me, one of, one of the most critical components on top of all of this is having that ability to have board of professional presence as it relates to business. Um, I think the final piece that makes an IT compliance team member um, effective is really having a direct line to the right people, whether that's a direct line to the audit committee, to the internal audit programs, to the executives of the organization. They've got to have the ability, or at least the stick, to raise and 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 to raise an issue and and make it powerful enough that something's going to get done. You know, I, I have seen where with IT compliance programs, sometimes well, we have a guy who's in charge or a gal that's in charge of IT but they're not necessarily at a level, like they may be, in our terms, right, we have associate, senior, associate, manager. They may be a senior associate, so they don't necessarily have the open dialogue already established with people who can help make a difference, is how are those people organized in an, in an essence that they can actually have that open dialogue and raise an issue that they can get the right presence and reactions to it, that everyone's going, okay, yes, this is something we need to work on and, and, and go from there, so. Thanks for joining me, Brett. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. Subscribe and tune back in for more Weaver Beyond the Numbers.